Pick 6 Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 27th. Man, it feels good outside. You know why? Because you can smell the football in the air. And uh, to talk a little football. Oh, you know what? Before we talk to one of the greatest college football players of all time, a goat at Notre Dame, Brady Quinn, we're going to, I'm going to tell you about the goat of college football podcast, the cover three podcast featuring my friends, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, as well as Tom Fernelli when they come get those locks. Uh, throughout the week, they have the latest news and insight, plus the, the locks at the end of the week. Uh, new to the podcast this year, instant Saturday night analysis. You don't have to wait until Monday morning to hear a recap of the top games. Chip, Barton, and Tom were there right after the final whistle of Florida-Miami in week zero, and they'll be providing instant analysis again following all the week one action. Download and subscribe to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast on Apple Podcast. Trust me, you will love it as much as I like talking to Brady Quinn. What's all going on, Brady? You look sharp. You look, you know what you look like? You look like somebody who just beat up on Pete Prisco during a video show. No, we, uh, we did make fun of him a little bit because he was wearing shorts that were a little bit too short. If you, uh, if you're going to include that in the video, if you're going to include the lower half. Oh boy. And, uh, he's sitting down and they're riding up a little bit too high, if you know what I mean. Um, and, and he did have on his patented, uh, vineyard vines. I think he's got a marketing deal with them at this point. Nice. Uh, he's been wearing Vineyard Vines the entire training camp tour that he's been on. Uh, but he did have a sit down with Patrick Mahomes. So check that out on CBS Sports HQ. Very exciting. I will check that. Uh, oh my God. I saw that sit down with Patrick Mahomes. Pete looks like he's lost a lot of weight this offseason. Huh. I had the opposite <laughs> thought. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I texted, he's like somebody, I'm on a text right with him and he sent it in or like somebody sent that in and was like, yo, Pete looking good. And he was like, and like I like zoomed in on his like belly, like hanging out of that video vine shirt. He was like, "You look fat as crap down here last week, Brinson. I don't want to hear it." He's like, "What's Note your self?" Let me just write this down real quick. Will uh, eat barbecue after I have to be on TV. <laughs> yeah, got it. I think yeah. we're good. I, I mean, barbecue I'll, barbecue will bomb you away if you try to eat it there. before. Um, all right, uh, let's dive into the Andrew Luck stuff. I know we talked about it for two straight days. Doesn't matter. Because, frankly, this is right, – on, on a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you when Andrew Luck retired, Brady? Uh, 15. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. I, I just – I was surprised for a couple different reasons. For starters, the injury he discussed or was talking about, calf, ankle, whatever you want to call it, it, it doesn't seem like it was one that, that was that severe, that A, required surgery. So it would make you know sense if – Required surgery. He's done for the year. He's so frustrated by dealing with this again that he just is, is done with dealing with the entire process of being injured or rehabbing. Uh, that wasn't the case. You know, they couldn't figure out what the answer was. And then when you heard the press conference and he said he was mentally worn down, that ultimately being the reason, it just struck me as very surprising because I think most uber competitive people, usually when they play in the NFL, they sacrifice their bodies in order to try to have a shot at playing at, you know, making millions and millions of dollars. And he's already done that, but he also is leaving money on the table and he's leaving the chance to, to win a Super Bowl on the table. Something that I, I think with this team that he's got can maybe accomplish. So for that, for those you know reasons, I was very surprised. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I said on a radio hit earlier here in Raleigh when I was in studio that like, I was like, I think it's one of the top five spots, or top five things in terms of shock value 
and, and an NFL storyline since I started covering the league 10 years ago. And I, I mean, I know I'm prone to a lot of hyperbole, but man, it's up there. I mean, a 29 year old quarterback. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that there is more, that there's more to this story? I would be, I would highly doubt that. Really? You know, I, I would, you know, people talked about, Oh, is he going to go play in the XFL? Is he going to go work in the XFL? I, I just, I would, I would find that very surprising because <clears throat> he could make more money playing football with the way the salary cap's increasing with the projection and over the next 10 years for what quarterbacks should be making. I mean, he legitimately, you could make the case, he could be leaving 300 million on the table. Like, let's just say he averages 30 plus or actually more than that. Probably let's say he averages 40. He, he might be leaving 400 million on the table. And so for that reason, I would be like kind of surprised if he was going to take another opportunity only because I don't know that he'll be able to make more than that, you know, average 40 million per year for the next 10 years doing something else. I could be wrong. Maybe he's got a startup or something that I'm not privy to or aware of and he's going to be the CEO of. But I also don't know that he looks at money and looks at it the same way as everyone else does or most people do. I think he, he tends to look at it as part of life, but not what life's about. He came from a background where they had money, and uh, I think he, you know, values his, his mental and physical well-being and quality of life more so than than the other stuff we discussed. Then, so, then uh, like, then an extra like three hundred million that he doesn't won't ever spend or won't ever need. Sure, yeah, pro- probably won't spend. I don't know. We should we should test it out. I hope someone gives me a half a billion. See if I can spend it in twenty four hours, like Brewster's millions. Um, <laughs> I, I'm your, I'm your Huckleberry. Um, yeah. well, I, I, I don't even mean like for the XFL, although I heard that conspiracy theory. Of course, like Nick Costas is like, like tweeting, like he's like, like that'd be the ultimate heel turn since Hulk Hogan. It's like, shut up, nerd. Uh, nobody cares about wrestling. The, um, the other, the thing I was really thinking about was, is it possible that the doctors told him if you continue to try and play with what was a calf injury, but then, uh, became, uh, like a bone foot issue that it could destroy your quality of life. Like what would be your breaking point there? If you're Andrew Luck, I mean, this guy went to Stanford and has an architectural degree in like, he, he's not a dummy. I mean, he's done the math on this. Yeah. But, but also I think he views the world differently. Um, I, I think if that was going to be why, then I would just be open about it. Like if this is your moment to share with people, you know, why you're leaving the game of football that you love so much, be honest about it. And I, and I think he was honest and he was very forthcoming with everything he said. You know, the, the documented injuries, uh, are, are, you know, they're, they're well talked about. You know, the lacerated kidney and, um, the, I think he had a concussion and obviously the shoulder and, and everything else that he's dealt with, right? And, and everyone's got them. I said it earlier today on HQ. Look, I had two concussions. I had back surgery. I had a microdisectomy in my L4, L5. I still have an L5 S1 herniated disc that I should have had a fusion on. I had a Liz Frankage in my foot. I finally got surgery that was 10 years old now. It happened in 2009, my third year in the season. I broke my right index finger. I had to get pins shoved in that. Um, you know, I had torn cartilage in my ribs from a hit I took, a par- partial, you know, uh, posterior labrum tear. I mean, I, I broke a small bone to a tendon in my right foot. Um, and so, so, you know, I dealt with a bunch of that stuff and <clears throat> it's part of playing. And I think the reason why people have a hard time understanding it is because football players have this, there's this war mentality, right? People look at football players and say part of why they're appreciated and why they're compensated is because they, they're tough. 
And so when someone says you're stepping away because you're mentally worn down, it, it doesn't, it doesn't equate to people's understanding of a football player or of why someone loves the game of football, in, in, my, in my opinion. Um, because, because I, I feel like your toughness playing through stuff like Brett Favre or whoever else you want to throw in that conversation, like everyone's rehabbing all the time. Everyone's dealing with that stuff. So I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time understanding it. You've, you've, uh, you mentioned concussions and, and injuries. I know like you just had foot surgery and we're thinking about you. Thoughts and thoughts and thoughts and prayers out to you, Brady. Uh, but I mean, like, I did, I saw the photos on Instagram because you're posting them and like, it lo- it doesn't look fun. Like, I mean, I, as a, as a non-athlete, like I've dealt with a sprained ankle and like plantar fasciitis before, but I've never gone through an injury that was, you know, created largely because I'm, I played professional football. Can you sort of walk through the process in, in trying to rehab from a major injury and, and how difficult it is, especially at the quarterback position when, I mean, like I, you, you want to be on the field. I mean, you want to be out there leading your team. You don't, I mean, it, it seems like a very mentally and physically draining process. Yeah. My back was probably the one thing that really kind of ended things for me. Um, I mean, I was at a point in my career too, where I was, you know, having to compete to, to get on roster spots and all that at the end of my eighth year, I was in the training camp with the dolphins and I had come off of back surgery that following year, and I just remember like five months after surgery and not having the same pop or explosion when I'd step up or when mm. I'd you know, push to go throw. And I, it literally dawned on me. I'm like, I might never feel like I did before. You know, I may never feel back to normal again. And I remember running and jumping it off it. just never felt like I had the same strength or spring or any of that and still doesn't to this day. And it was something where I got in training camp with the Dolphins and we were practicing and the way my back would lock up certain mornings or just, you know, throwing the football, I was thinking to myself, this is not what I remember. And, and maybe that there's some degree of that with Andrew where he got to a point where he doesn't feel like he's the same player that he was early in his career in the NFL or, or maybe even last year, you know, dealing with this, this injury. I mean, who knows? Uh, and, and he doesn't want that to tarnish his experience with football and how he remembers the game. And so maybe that played a factor. For him mentally, because look, the, the toughest thing about an injury is, you know, you go through a lot of pain and that's enduring. It, it takes a lot of energy and you get the surgery and that's just the beginning. Then you're going to experience more pain because once you like, once I could actually start walking on my foot again after I had foot surgery, then it was about, okay, how much can you tolerate? You know, how fast can you consider to push your body to, to get rid of the swelling and get rid of, you know, all the issues, get back that mobility in your foot. And so you can use it and stand on it and walk on it and then and eventually jog and run. And it takes time. And, and, and you think like, oh, okay, I got surgery. Now my foot's fixed. Yeah, but it, it doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road back. It's six months of, you know, three, four days a week rehabbing, painful, and then trying to do what you can in between to, to help, you know, the, the speed up the recovery process. So when you're doing that every single offseason, like Andrew Luck pretty much has for the past, you know, three, four years, yeah, it gets mentally and physically draining and wearing. And if you're someone who cares about your quality of life, you're probably going to ask yourself a lot of times when you're going through it, like, is this worth it for me? Do you think, do you think that, um, there are some people out there, uh, I won't name any names, but I think we know the, the list of them. It's like the four horsemen of the hot take apocalypse. Um, <coughs> Gottlieb, Briscoe, <clears throat> uh, take it. I mean, do you, I don't know. People seem to be questioning his toughness. Do you question his toughness? I don't question his toughness. Um, I think what also people question is his love for the game. Did he love the game? And, and I would ask you this. If I asked you for a definition of what love means to you, you probably have a different – it sounds corny, but you probably have a different definition than I do, right? Yeah, it certainly does. But, yes, we probably do have a definition. Yeah. But the point is this. So then when I ask you, like, do you love football? 
you know, you might say, well, yeah. And I say, well, why do you love football? And you'll say, well, I watch it all the time and do this. I'm like, okay, well, let's put you in a position where you're playing and let, let's, let's have you work out and let's have you get hurt. Let's have you react. Let's have you go through all that. And then tell me if you love football, right? It might change either how you actually feel like you feel. And you might say, well, my definition of love is different. So I don't love it. I thought I did until I actually had to go through and I don't. Uh, or it might make you say, wow, okay. Like, yeah, I really do love football because I love this and I'm still enduring the pain to get through it. So I just think people's perspectives are different as far as how they view the definition of something like love. And I think a lot of people have called into question is love for the game. I don't think he doesn't love the game. I just think he loves life outside of football. And I think he wants to be able to still enjoy that for probably more years than the rest of his life than, you know, how many more years he's going to play football, right? And so, like, I don't question his toughness because he's played through a lot of stuff. Played and, through a lacerated kidney. Like, the dude is but, tough, okay? I mean, like, guys who guys who are questioning his toughness are guys who haven't played, so they don't understand. Big risk. <laughs> but when you when you think about the timing of it all, I do think that, like, for example, Steve Berline had said, you know, try to get through this year if you can and then retire in the offseason so it helps the team plan for the next year. There's some truth to that. You know, did he put the team in a bad spot? Maybe, but he hasn't really practiced all offseason. And so Jacoby Brissett and PJ Walker and Chad Kelly, those guys have been taking a lot of reps. So they're kind of prepared for it, even though it wasn't official anyway. Um, and, and so like, like I don't have as even as big of an issue with the timing of it. Like you'd rather rip it off the band aid and do it sooner rather than later. Um, it's just, it obviously is upsetting for the fans. And so the next thing is like the fans booing, right? Like everyone's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they booed. Why? First off, Let's just think logically for a second. Would you like, hey, you just heard Angel Lux retiring. Everyone's like, oh, good. Let's clap. Let's, well, let's... well, I mean, no, like, I... how do you handle that moment? Even if you're a fan, like, do you clap? Are you just silent? Like, what do you expect them to do? They're they're frustrated. They're upset. And so the human emotion for their end of it, especially for a lot of blue collar people who go to those games and work in tough industries, spend all their money to go to games on Sundays. Yeah, you expect them to be frustrated by it because they haven't had a chance to really internalize it. And, and think about it and all that. Like they're just reacting thinking, well, now this season's gone to crap, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what they think. And so you have to be understanding of their emotions. We, I don't think you should be like condemning and everyone's just, you know, sitting there saying to them, well, I wouldn't have done the same thing. Well, yeah, actually you might have if you were in their shoes. You don't know. So all the way around, I just it, think there's a lot of misunderstanding with everyone. Um, like I was thinking if anyone should be like clapping and cheering, you'd think it'd be like the Houston Texans fans or people <laughs> in Nashville or like Jacksonville. Cause like, yeah, we don't have to worry about this anymore. The Titans, uh, Andrew Luck never lost to the Titans in his entire career. He yeah, so yeah, like people in Nashville on Broadway are probably like playing country songs all night to Andrew Luck because they're so excited he's retiring. Yeah. Like those people should be like, I just, I don't know what people want from the Colts fans. Like how did you want them to react when they find about it? In the way in which they did, which you can blame Adam Schefter for that if you want to blame someone. So. Well, I don't blame Schefter. You gotta, you gotta report the story, but you don't want to get yeah, 100%. I'm not saying he's good at his job too. That's yeah. part of it. But well, but like, does, but like it, it is, don't it you think? Taint, it did taint and ruin his chance to do it the right way. Yeah. Like I'm sure he wanted to. Well, I, I do think it's interesting. Look, I don't, we don't know whether it was somebody, uh, at the, you know, and it was an agent situation who leaked it out or whether it was uncle. Do you think his uncle was really going to tell Adam Schefter? No, 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 no. But, um, as I got, uh, no. It was definitely not his uncle. His uncle lives in Raleigh, actually. Definitely wasn't his uncle. But, um, the, he drinks toughy. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. I, I, after like 16 or 17, 
16 or 17 toughies, I probably would have booed too. Um, but like, it, you know, it could have been like a competing agent who got wind of it and leaked it to Schefter. But to me, it like makes sense that it was like Jim Irsay. I, I still think. Oh, 100%. Right? He had too many toughies, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, I do know what you're saying. You've been too many toughies. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, I like, I get, it's just weird to me that these fans would, like, you, you got your phone at the game, you're checking it and texting with your, your wife, you're like, yeah, I'll be home in an hour, I gotta get some more toughies. Um, and, but then like, you see like the tweet from Adam Schefter and you're like, well, this is, this guy's a traitor, boo! It's just, it's just bizarre, I don't know, it's just like bizarre to uncork. I would just, just think about it from their perspective. This team's an organization the best place it's been pretty much since, you know, before Peyton left and they were competitive. Yeah. And that's how they find out about it. And, and again, it's not because he's getting surgery and it's the end of the, you know, his, his season or something like that. He says, I'm mentally worn down. Like, I think if there's one issue with it, that instance in itself, when you think about the Brett Favre's and how many other people played through stuff and how, you know, played her, Jack Youngblood played, he spoke to us when I was with the Rams. He played with a broken leg and finished the game. It's like, when you think about those examples, it does make you call into question like, well, yeah, some people are going to have a hard time internalizing Andrew Luck stepping down for his own well-being. And he's got every right to, and it's actually courageous to do that. But you have to understand it. It's going to come with um, some some blowback. And it, I, I also think it's like worth asking the question, do you wonder if Jim Irsay and the Colts, like if they could go back over and do it again, they just trust that Peyton's going to get healthy and they trade back? Oh, oh, dude, I said that on the Saturday Night Emergency podcast we did with the Super Friends. I was like, look, and this is why, and I don't want to, this is going to, you're going to, by the way, Jack, Jack Youngblood made somewhere between like a hundred thousand and one million dollars. <laughs> it's like, like well, six, I mean, time value of money, man. I mean, right. what, what, in like in today's dollars. Like, right. But no, but I'm just saying like, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's easier for luck to be like, listen, I got, I made 150 million. I'm, He's made a hundred. I think he should have like probably 50 million in the bank if he, you know. Probably, probably more than that since he has a flip phone. But to the, to the Peyton Manning, to the Peyton Manning report, uh, I think that you can make a case. And I'm not saying I'm making this case, but I think it is worth discussing whether or not Andrew Luck, I don't want to use the word bust. Andrew Luck was definitely a disappointment. Uh, if this is it, if this is the end of his career, he was definitely a disappointment. I think you can make the case that he was a bust because he only played 86 games. He did come in all gangbusters and go 11 and five his first three seasons. He's not a bust. It's not his own volition that he's a bust. It's also because the Colts uh, managed to screw things up with, with his with his health. Um, but yeah, I a hundred percent think that if you gave Jim Irsay a time machine and let him come forward and see how this would play out, that he would rather have Peyton Manning be a Colt for his entire career. And stay and get the 2013, 14, 15 Peyton Manning and then have Peyton Manning ride off and trade back and get a bunch of first round picks and surround Peyton with talent. Yeah. I think if, if you think about how easy the AFC South division was then too, and luck first got there, like their team was okay, but the vision was really bad. Um, I mean, Peyton went on to set records in 2013. He went to two Super Bowls, one, one. The difference is, you know, the, the Colts defense probably wasn't as good so (laughs) in 15 when he was really not playing his best football dealt with that quad injury like do you still get uh to the playoffs and and a chance to win a super bowl like i don't know because your team's probably not good enough collectively right well Uh, no but i'm saying like um so you got in you got 2012, 2013 and 2014 you got two all pro years from peyton manning right Uh, so the career the average the approximate value, which is just pro football references method of 
detailing the worth of a season and just, right. yeah, for a number, uh, 44 for Andrew Lux, uh, three seasons, um, in his first three years, Peyton Manning 50 for his three seasons, the th- first three seasons of Andrew Lux's career. So he was in theory more valuable. You're, you're hundred percent right. The defense in India was much worse. The surrounding right. cast was worse, but I don't know. I mean, like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Polian isn't fired. Maybe Grigson hangs around. I mean, maybe Grigson doesn't come around. Maybe Polian re- the team for <laughs> four years, whatever it was. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Polian trades back, uh, and, and gets a bunch of, I mean, like that's the biggest. If you think about what that pick would have warranted then, especially considering, you know, he was that's, that's the RG three you know, era, right? The report was that the Cleveland Browns offered, gave, gave a Mike Ditka offer to the Colts to move up and get that first. Like you can have our entire draft plus another first. And they said no. Right. Or three first or whatever it was. I mean, you would have had a crap ton of first round picks for trading back even three or four spots. It would be fun to play out that hypothetical as far as what the league would have looked like because you're right. I mean, it, it, they would have had enough to be able to stack up that roster to the point where the defense probably would have been competitive and maybe that defense was operating, you know, similar to how Denver's was by 2015 and that, and you know, getting those picks from the 2012 draft. And, and don't forget like Tim Tebow never leaves Denver. I mean, right? Like he, he Maybe not never. I mean, he's not still there. I mean, yeah. they were looking for other options. I'll just put it that. I, I was there at the time that I became a free agent. Like they weren't. They they knew that wasn't going to win. No, it. no, no. Elway wanted out, but like Tebow was just finding a way to win those games. I mean, you were there. You know, you saw it was right. And and what I'm trying to say to you is in that 2012 year, like they were looking for other options. No, no, they, no. I, I, I know. Yeah. And he wouldn't have started that next year. But but Peyton gave them a free out. I mean, I'm not saying he would have stuck sure. around. Yeah. Because yeah, Peyton- they're, they're, yeah, no one's going to be upset about bringing Peyton Manning for for Tim Tebow. I'm just saying they would have they would have for sure tried to find other options too there. Well, even in that case, then Brock Osweiler was your starter in 2013. I, I mean, does John Elway? I don't know. It's the the what ifs are fascinating because then does Cam Newton win a Super Bowl? You know, do the Panthers win a Super Bowl because that Denver defense doesn't get doesn't get there without Peyton Manning? Right. Well, maybe it is Peyton Manning though, and that's and they're the Colts, mm. and so maybe he still doesn't win. But you want him to win because where do you live, by the way? Where what North, North Carolina? Well, oh, okay, North Carolina. Where are the uh, Panthers based? Uh, Charlotte, not the same oh, place. There's not an extreme amount of bias coming out from your side of the microphone, is there? Uh, no, not at all. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, but like, I mean, that's the team that beat. Maybe the maybe a different team plays the Seahawks. In the Super Bowl, and the Seahawks don't get to kickstart their Legion of Boom. Maybe it's right. the Patriots. Right. And then maybe Tom Brady retires after. Something to write about it, man. Someone other than me. Uh, well, I'm a podcaster now, not a writer, so that won't be me. Um, any, uh, Dwayne, ha- uh, Case Keenum named the starter for the Washington Redskins on Monday. Your thoughts? Um, because they have to name him the starter at this point. So, I mean, look, Cole McCoy's still hurt. Dwayne Haskins isn't quite ready yet, which we kind of expected. So, you know they're going to start Case. It's a great opportunity for him. Hopefully he can replicate that the twenty what seventeen season in Minnesota. So if if that's the case, more power to him. But um, D doesn't have as many weapons around him, right? Uh, Terry McLaurin, um, you know Josh Dotson, um, Jordan Reed. Hopefully he's going to be healthy and ready to go. Trey Quinn. I mean that's your supporting cast. So you you better hope those guys can. And can come together relatively quick, make some noise. They got to be able to run the football with Darius Geis and AP. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but I would imagine that Dwayne Haskins starts eight plus games this year. I think that is an absolute lock given how Dan Snyder has handled everything, uh, with the Redskins and how he will, uh, handle this. Debo, did I miss anything? Did I get, did we get everything covered here? Uh, do we need to talk? We don't need to talk about the Dolphins, right? He wanted to talk about like, 
Lux Legacy. Let's see, Brissett, and uh, what does this mean for him and them? Which well, what do you think about Andrew Lux Legacy? Didn't we talk about that? I mean, like, is he is a disappointment? I mean, it's, he okay. I'll put it this way: he was, I think, the greatest prospect in my probably that I'll ever see in my lifetime because. One, he had all the tools and tangibles right away at Stanford, but it was the offense they ran too. I actually spoke to his center, I think it was Joe Ertz, um, back when he was with him in 2012, 2016, and he was saying – Is that Joe related to Zach Ertz? Uh, I don't think so. Is it Wurtz or Ertz? I forget. I'll, I'll uh, find out. Hold on. You keep, you keep talking. You're... But what he brought up was like one of the first walkthrough like, practices they ever had. He made like a change in protection. And they're like looking around and saying, like, dude, this guy, we haven't even, this is like day one, week one. We haven't done this yet. And he's always doing stuff that's like a veteran should be doing, right? right? So he was just different when he came into the league because he had a pro style offense that he ran. And, you know, you look at Trevor Lawrence, for example, very talented as, as very similar to Andrew Luck in that regard, but he's not going to have that, that NFL style offense that he's going to be bringing with him into the NFL. He's going to be ready like that. He's going to, it's going to take a little bit more for him. Hmm. So, if he's the greatest, uh, that, I mean, probably a guy who was NFL Hall of Fame caliber, but didn't play long enough. Yeah, somebody asked me today, is like, is he a potential Hall of Famer? It's like funny. I mean, it's not even. He's not even. He won't. He'll right. Get, you're, in your mind, if Rivers isn't getting in, then Andrew Luck's not. If Rivers isn't getting in, Andrew Luck is not getting in. I will make that my personal life and mission, Brady. <laughs> It's like Andrew Luck's like, who is this a-hole who just won't let, not let go? Oh, I was a frat buddy of he's uh, like, he's, at NC he's, like, he's like just chugging old Tuffy and screaming about Rivers. Like, what's this guy's deal? Um, this guy? I don't know. He's a frat buddy. What do you, I, so I'm, uh, we saw the wind total drop from nine and a half to six and a half. And we're going to talk about that with Kenny White on the other side of the break as we, uh, as we do some Vegas chatter. But, uh, what do you think about Jacoby Brissett's chances to lead the Colts to glory this year? I like Jacoby. I mean, look, the last time he started for this team, they were in a different position. Where, where, did, you, where, did, you, where did you go to school? Where did you go to school? Yeah, that's right. NC State. We yeah. got to give you some props, which I did on social media. But yeah. you know, how many starters is that now for NC State? You got Rivers, Jacoby Brissett. Who else? Is this a Russell Wilson joke or not? Russell Wilson, I guess we'll include him because he went there for majority of his college career. And once Ryan, once Ryan Finley overtakes uh, Andy Dalton. Ooh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Get him in there. But. Uh, and once Derek Carr inevitably washes out or gets like uh, like gets kidnapped, gone girled by Antonio Brown, Mike Glennon will be starting for the Raiders. So. Peterman might beat him out the way he's playing in preseason. We'll see. That's, yeah. that's Peterman kid. I tell you what, I like this kid. This Peterman, this guy, this guy, this Peterman guy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Um, did you hear? What did you think about that line from Gruden from uh, from Hard Knocks? He's like, "Sorry for being a dick." But I'm kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows that the cameras are on. He's wearing a microphone. So he, he makes sure to say as many comments that will make him viral as possible and relevant as possible. Because when this doesn't work out with the Raiders, he's always going to have a job on TV. He's just that good. So I think that's part of it. He's brilliant in that way. Um, but Jacoby Reset, I think he was a great pro- – he was a solid prospect coming out from NC State. Um, needed a little bit of refining. I think he got some of that in his one year they spent with New England – when he got traded to the Colts, you know that he, you know, well, he was a four and twelve that year. He kept them competitive in games. Uh, he really did. And now that this roster is better and he's not going to be running for his life with that offensive line, um, I, I expect him to, to do some big things. It's a trial year for him. He's a free agent after this year. If things don't work out for the Colts, I'm sure he'll get paid on the open market as a free agent. Uh, but I suspect they'll figure out a way of locking him down. Um, so he's in a good position to capitalize on this and. Um, it, it's look, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better opportunity, right? For, for a backup to walk into 
and for a team to, to be able to perform under with that, with Frank Reich as a play caller and his experience, right? He, he, he was in Philly, right? When he went through this with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. Yeah. So he's got experience from that perspective. Uh, also don't know if you remember Buffalo. Yeah. He was a player. So he's got that experience from there. But I also think the under, the under talked about thing of this all is if the Colts were to win the AFC South and let's just say going to the playoffs and let's just say they found themselves in the AFC championship game or won a Super Bowl with Jacoby Brissett and Frank Reich, you'd have to call that documentary like plan B. Because Frank Ooh. Reich wasn't the initial plan. It was Josh McDaniels, right? That fell through. It ends up being Frank Reich. And then obviously Andrew Luck was supposed to be the quarterback for the next 10, 11 years for them. And Jacoby Brissett, who they get via trade because they have to. Who also like, transferred from Florida to NC State. So he's like a second time guy. Yeah. Like second, it's like, it's unbelievable the story that good. could be created if they, like, so I'm kind of the Colts, the Colts, the Colts even moved from Baltimore. Right? <laughs> like, this like, is the like, entire thing is like <laughs> all like your plan B, right? Like an audible, whatever you want to call it. That documentary would be fascinating if all that worked out for them. It really would. You gotta, um, you gotta tweet that out or put it on like the, the gram or something because, um, pick six. Maybe we call it unintended consequences, but like, is, as a what, why, why are you, why are you wasting your talents on CBS Sports HQ or 24 seven streaming sports network for real sports news and real sports fans without the fake debate when you could be doing like documentary titling in Hollywood? You're so good at that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, that's all I got. Uh, I think, I think the calls would be better than people think. I like, I like Jacoby, uh, and I, I agree with you on Frank Wright. Like the other thing too, Jacoby Brissett was so. What's today? Today is we're recording this on Monday, August twenty sixth, right? Yep. Jacoby yep. Brissett was traded to the Colts on uh, September second, two thousand seventeen. <laughs> so he wasn't even on the Colts at this right. point in time in two thousand seventeen. Right. Like that's, uh, it's you know that's kind of hard to pull off. And and it's not like Belichick dumped him either. It was they were try- they oh. were worried Edelman was hurt. They needed Dorsett in there. So you know, right. Um, good talk. Yeah. <laughs> Dolphins, uh, 50 50 shot. Fitzpatrick, Rosen, Debo had that on the, uh, yeah. trip. Yeah. I mean, Fitz, Fitz will start in the beginning. Then Rosen will start and play and probably play a lot because they got to see what they have in them. Simple as that. Yep. Mm. Um, I agree. And, uh, man, it's good chatter. Good, good, good notes, Debo. Let's take a break and we'll get, uh, we'll get right back to old Kenny White. Brady, always fun, buddy. You'll have a toughie for me, will you? Oh, I'll be having, I, I have, not kidding. I got 13 cases of toughie at the back of my car. See you I know. It's like getting paid now, right? That's right. Paid in toughies. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, back now, as promised, the man, the myth, the legend. He's out in Vegas. When he gets hot, you better look out. It's Kenny White, good friend of the show. Kenny, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Will. Yeah, it's so excited. You know, we got a couple of college games in, and now here we go. Thursday, college football starts, and less than uh, 10 days away from the NFL kicking off. So, uh, so excited. Yeah, uh, shortly before we started doing this podcast, I went out, and um, I'm not kidding, I got 13 cases of beer for this weekend, for Saturday alone. Uh, it's not all for me, 
it's also for, you know, my tailgate friends. But uh, NC State, ECU, I'm a little nervous that line's dropping. Um, it's uh, it's falling down to like 16 and a half or, or something like that. It's got me a little freaked out, but that's okay. Just got to go out there and uh, take care of business. But let's talk some NFL, Kenny. The um, what uh what 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 is your what sort of trends are you seeing right now out in Vegas? Because I I think that this year has maybe been different. It feels like there's been more attention paid like earlier than ever before, which seems weird to say. But um, you know, it, it does feel like with with you know gambling legal in New Jersey and in other places, it feels like we've seen a lot more movement in, with some of these teams. Am I right about that? Uh, movement player wise, you mean, or your point spread wise? Point point spread and like win total wise, and and just it just feels like there's been a bigger shift in those odds, or maybe it's been more volatile. Am I am I wrong there? No, not at all. You know why? You know why, Will? I think that you bring up a great point. We have so many more states with legalized sports betting now that there have been some numbers that have been different differentiated from one market to another. So. When you're looking at uh, the markets back east, you know, all th- those win totals are going to be higher than the ones in Vegas. So you're going to have those advantage players betting under in the east coast and betting over in Vegas. So, yeah, you're going to get more movement now. Mm, interesting. Um, you uh, you went through and did uh, – you do power ratings for every single team. And uh, as you talk about on Sportsline, on CBS Sports HQ, where you appear uh, nearly nightly, if not nightly, um, on uh, 7, 6, 6 p.m. or 7, 7 p.m., right? 7 p.m.? Am I crazy or is it 6 p.m.? comes on at 6 p.m., the uh, Sportsline. Yeah, I'm usually on three days during the week now, and then I'll be on Saturday and Sunday because obviously those are the big football days, so 8 a.m., to 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, 11 to noon Eastern. Awesome. And uh, you go through and power rank every single player, every single team, come up with your uh, proprietary Kenny White ratings. And I'm curious, well, who who stands atop the NFL for you right now? The Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. I think this team, they've done everything right. I, obviously, we have to keep Carson Wentz upright and uh, healthy because in, in my uh NFL ratings, I'm looking at Philly right now. Six-point drop-off to Nate Sudfeld. They don't have Nick Foles to, to rely on anymore. So Wentz has to stay healthy for that to take hold. And the New England Patriots and the Saints, I have a 106-and-a-half, and, a half and uh, everything's based off a hundreds average. So the Eagles, 107-and-a-half, seven-and-a-half points above average. Patriots and Saints, 106-and-a-half. Patriots look like they could run the table. If they, if they play up to form every week. Wow. Well, I so the Eagles is interesting then. And, um, I don't want to get into, I mean, what's, you, you don't mention this. We're, we got, we're going to have some week one lines and some team totals too. The Eagles are, I mean, eight and a half points is a lot for a divisional game in week one, but the Eagles are quote, only eight and a half point favorites over the Washington Redskins. I would assume you see a little bit of disparity there then, because I'm guessing the Redskins aren't an average team on your power ratings. Uh, no, Redskins are, uh, well below average, uh, 94 and a half. They're five points below the average football team. And, uh, that's if, uh, Case Keenum has, has a decent start to the year. They have to drop off to Haskins or even Colt McCoy. It's another two point drop off. Uh, the Redskins will be dropping into the, uh, Miami Dolphin zone. Ooh, that's not good. Uh, you also have the Rams at 106 and the Chiefs at 105. How about your, uh, you mentioned the, the, the Miami Dolphin zone. If they're the, they're the worst team in the NFL, uh, who, who are some of the other terrible, uh, teams that you might be looking to fade early in the season, depending on the point spread? Uh, you mentioned the Washington Redskins. Uh, we'll be looking to fade them, but 
not in a division game, like you said, uh, mentioned that Philadelphia Eagle in the first game of the year, uh, Philly beat Washington both times last year, the little bit of revenge for the Redskins and, and the week one, week two, you get crazy things that happen. So I don't like to lay points in a divisional matchup. Uh, the Oakland Raiders will be a team I'm going to look to fade the New York Giants and the Buffalo Bills. You know, you'd ask somebody from Buffalo how good the Bills are going to be. They're going to tell you they're going to go to the Super Bowl. They always think that, <laughs> but I think Buffalo's down a little bit. I still am not a complete 100% believer in Josh Allen. Uh, and just to explain it for, cause, you know, I mean, not that everyone who listens to this podcast should understand power ratings. I'm sure there are lots of people who do, but when you look at this and let's say, so your, your power ratings are basically saying if the, the Rams, who are a 106 rating and the Dolphins, who are a 92 rating, were to meet on a neutral field, like, you know, in, in New Orleans or Houston or wherever it is, you know, for the, the world's worst Super Bowl, uh, you would make, the Rams a uh, sixteen point favorite against the Dolphins. Is that is that is that correct? Is that the correct way to apply it? How, how many point favorite? Is it sixteen? Oh no, no, I can't do math. Fourteen points. I can't do math. Oh my goodness. That new the new math does kind of get <laughs> me sometimes as well. But you know, even if they were playing in that that football field you have in your backyard, that's probably better than the one that was in Winnipeg, <laughs> uh, and you could play the hundred yard game. Yeah, the Rams will be a 14-point favorite on any neutral field the entire country uh, over the Dolphins, except for maybe a neutral field in Orlando, <laughs> somewhere where maybe is, or somewhere in the state of Florida where you'd have to give a little bit of home field to Miami. But yes, that's how the power ratings work. Uh, that's why I put the book out so people could start to handicap and not even handicap, just make if you just want to make lines on, on football games, try to understand it uh, by how many points a team's supposed to win by. And then also you can go to the uh, a money line chart, which would tell you a 14-point 14 14 favorite. Um, the percentage chance they have to win, it's somewhere like about 75 76% chance that they're supposed to win the game straight up. And so just to, to kind of roll that into another explanation, if let's say uh, the Rams and the Dolphins hypothetically played in a, in a game uh, on a neutral field and Vegas actually made it a – like, what would Vegas need to make it for you to want to bet it on either side? I mean, would would 15 be enough for you to take the Dolphins? Would 13 be enough uh, to take the the Chiefs? I just want to give people an idea of, of sort of where that value lies. That's a great question. The closer to zero, the less uh, differential you need in my line to the betting line, if that makes sense, because it's a more competitive game. A game that gets uh, – up to the double digit mark. Anytime it's over 10, the point spread, I like to have at least a three, three and a half point difference. So in this game, if the, if the point spread was 17 and a half, I would take the 17 and a half. It was minus 10 and a half. I probably wouldn't lay that because 10 is a fairly key number. It's not sure. crucial, but I, if I, I would like to lay 10 if I made it 14. Mm, all right, so that, no, but that's because it, it's not like if anything is just off a bit from your numbers that you want to dive onto it. It's you want to find where the best possible value is. You've also got some trends uh, that you noted for us. I was frankly kind of stunned when uh, you told me about the Jason Garrett trend that you picked up on. Yeah, uh, in, in away games, the last four years, uh, the Cowboys under Jason Garrett, 24 and 9 to the under, 73%. You're plus 14.1 units. And He's a very conservative coach, a very good defensive football team. I think they just get very conservative on the road 
and uh, they play a closer to the best type of football game. So, yeah, we'll have to look for that this year, see if that trend continues. Mm. Uh, elsewhere, Andy Reid, 30 and 14 in his, uh, is that, what was it, uh, his last is, is this home game stretch. Um, where are you looking to target Andy Reid in, in this instance? Yeah, he, he, he's been an under guy at home, but again, Andy Reid does get very conservative. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that it does work out this year with Patrick Mahomes. They opened up the offense last year, but still, even with Patrick Mahomes last year at quarterback, uh, this team went seven and three to the under mm. at home with Mahomes. They went seven and one over though in their road games. And that makes Andy Reid over the last five years, 24 and 17 over away, 68%. So he's under at home over on the road. I don't know if you want to bet him too much under it anywhere with Mahomes <laughs> a quarterback, but it looks like there's an edge when Kansas City goes away that he's willing to be more aggressive and keep trying to put points on the board when they're on the road. But it's also maybe their defense is weaker on the road than they are at home. Interesting. Uh, and it, you know, it's kind of fascinating too because the Chiefs get so propped up that people are like, you gotta hammer the Chiefs over. And they started off hitting all those overs early on because Vegas hadn't caught up to the idea, you know, we just, we just didn't know how explosive that offense would be. But Vegas catches up quickly and then people keep hammering the overs even though like they, they've raised him so much that it could potentially go, uh, under. Mike Zimmer, a very profitable head coach early on, uh, especially at home, right? Unbelievable. He, he, he's incredible. Um, Overall, in his five years since he's been the head coach of the Vikings, 52 and 28, 65%. This is the biggest trend I have in the book. If you just bet the Minnesota Vikings blindly every game for Mike Zimmer's career, you're up 21 units. Wow. That's incredible. Mike Zimmer, a very good coach, uh, for, for people in Vegas. And, uh, then the other one that you mentioned, Bill Belichick, 50, listen for us, Bill Belichick, 57 and 35 against the spread overall the last five years. That's 62%. You know what? Maybe, uh, it's a good idea not to fade the Patriots. Don't ever fade, don't ever fade the best in the NFL. But I could have even gone a little deeper. I'd like to go back. I know, I knew what the number was last year, but, Belichick at home in December is like he is unbeatable. They do have they do have the best home field ATF record since Bill Belichick's been there. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs the loudest crowd. Those two are the best home fields in the NFL. Uh, when you're looking at uh, uh, home field ratings and how much you want to give for a home field, everybody says the average home field is two and a half. That's pretty true, and everybody can be a little bit different. I give the Chargers zero home field because every game the opponents have more fans in the stands than the Chargers do but the Chiefs with how loud their crowd is and uh and the Patriots crowd I guess is you know pretty close to being as loud as the Chiefs but their success in the ATS record uh just simply amazing at uh New England well that that the Chargers fact is slightly depressing as is the fact that when I look at your uh, one of the top win totals that you're going to give us in a second for the entire season um, is uh, involves the Carolina Panthers, which is not something that people who have been following my lead will like to hear. Uh-oh. Are you, are, you must be uh, over on Carolina this year then. Uh, I'm looking at a very difficult schedule. I have them a favorite in only six games the entire season. Uh, that, to me, that's a difficult schedule. I think that the division, uh, the NFC South is – very competitive, obviously, with it. You have, uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. We, 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 we all know those two teams are better than Carolina. 
obviously their quarterbacks have to stay healthy, but so does Cam Newton. Mm. Uh, when he was injured last year, this team completely fell apart. They were very good at the beginning of the year when he was healthy. And I think they're going to be a good team. I am a 99 rating. It's one point below average. So pretty much say I think Carolina is an average football team. Uh, Tampa, I think, is going to be slightly improved this year. Just the subtraction, addition by subtraction with Bruce Arians. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I worry about with Arians, I don't want to launch into a whole thing about the – about the Buccaneers, but I do worry that they're just not going to be able to protect Jameis and he's going to like, he's going to miss a bunch of throws downfield. I, I like, I took Carolina over seven and a half. I took Carolina at 60 to one to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, there's a difference between, you know, like I, like I don't, I don't know that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I do like the idea that it's 60 to one and it's a team that's been there, a team with an MVP. And if Cam can stay healthy, then I think they can actually make a move. Uh, you, uh, I mean, you, you also have the Houston Texans, but it looks like you're going the other way with that. Is this a result, uh, Texans over eight and a half for the season? Is this a result of the, uh, the Andrew Luck news? No, I actually had it before Andrew, the Andrew Luck news. Oh. I, I thought, uh, Houston, uh, I had Houston rated a half a point better than the Colts. Now, I'm going to have to maybe drop that rating if they end up uh, making a trade here and uh, Clowney ends up heading you know, to another team. Uh, that'll be a big loss on offense. He is their second-best defensive player. Uh, Lamar Miller loss, um, not as big. Um, I've always said running backs and wide receivers are a dime a dozen, and I give the analogy the top 22 highest-paid wide receivers in the NFL one Super Bowl ring combined, and that was all Sean Jeffrey when he was with the Eagles. So wow. it doesn't matter how much you pay these guys. They're, they're paying them because they're great talents. But tell you what, I think you can find great wide receivers anywhere. Uh, and, then, and then running backs the same way. I think it's the top uh, 22 running backs have one Super Bowl ring combined. And the Patriots, they don't care who they have. They plug running backs and wide receivers in all day long. It's about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Mm. And, uh, of course, you mentioned the Eagles, your top-rated power team. Uh, you you going to take the over on the Eagles as well? Oh, yes. Yeah, over 10. I made them 12. I think they'll win 12 football games this year. Uh, I really don't see one scenario that this team is that good. But, again, Carson Wentz has got to be in the lineup. I don't really see one scenario that they could be the underdog. Maybe at Dallas is the only game that I see. They host Chicago. They host New England. Um, schedule looks pretty easy to me. They are at Atlanta early in the year. I have them a small favorite, three points over the Falcons. I have them two points, uh, over Green Bay. Difference there is I do have a higher, uh, home field for the Packers. Um, at Minnesota, I have them a two point favorite. Uh, they, wow. they got, they have revenge from last year in that situation. So kind of added that in as well. And I, I think that they will be a slight favorite there. This is, this is a really good football team, offensive line. Uh, one of the best in the business, and the defense, I think, is loaded. Uh, I think they're going to have a, a big year, and I, I really do like Doug Peterson. I think he's done a very nice job, uh, 29, 29 and 23 covering spreads so far, uh, kind of a rebuilding job when he got there. Uh, he's been 18 and 7 to the under uh, as a home coach, 18 and 7. His teams keep the games under when they're at home, 15 and 10 to the over when they're on the road. So look for the Eagles to go under at home. Over on the road. Hmm. Do you actually think Carson Wentz is injury prone or is that just something that he's just sort of been unlucky like for five years running now? I hope it's, I hope it's not something that he's injury prone. I, I, you know, they, they, they do like to run, you know, uh, that spread option and maybe they put him in harm's way a little bit too much now without Nick Foles. Maybe they'll just support the pocket and, uh, make him more of a pocket passer. I think he's going to be a dangerous passer. 
uh, 26 years old now. He's not even in his prime yet. I have him six and a half points better than the average quarterback. But like I said, boy, they lose him. Six-point drop-off, Nate Sudfeld. Mm, that is uh, that's the only that is the only scary thing about that team is like you know you just don't want car. I mean yeah, anyway, any quarterback gets hurt, you don't want that to happen. Tell, talk to me about some week one bets. Is there uh, anybody you might be eyeing for uh, for week one in terms of uh, plunking down some cash that you think is undervalued at the at their current price? Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bet against the one team that everybody just can't stop talking about in Vegas. Uh, the, the the Cleveland Browns. Everyone is betting the Browns win total over. They're betting the Browns to go to the Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield is the next uh, Tom Brady, I guess. I, I I just not that believer. Um, I think their defense has regressed over the last couple of years, and I'm I, I Baker Mayfield five points above the average quarterback. Right now, my top quarterbacks: Andrew Luck was seven and a half points better. Um, Pat Mahomes, eight points better. He could be the highest rated quarterback I have. I believe I have Tom Brady, like six, six and a half points better. Uh, nope. Tom Brady, seven points better. So, you know, Mayfield, just a couple points below that. He's just not into that group yet. I think that the, the sophomore slump thing is a true thing or people wouldn't talk about that. It's not really that you go in a slump. It's that more people have film on you now. They know your tendencies a lot better. They're able to, to able to figure out your next chess move and, uh, I think they're going to be there for Mayfield. He's got to prove it to me one more year uh, and put up amazing stats for me to be a big believer. And I like Tennessee. Mariota's in the lineup. This is a good football team, and they got a good backup now in Tannehill. So um, plus five for me on the Tennessee Titans. Hey, let me ask you real quick about the Browns, Kenny, because I – I've heard, like, I, I'm big on the Steelers this year. I think they're a good value at the same price as the Browns, as you point out. Like, I love Baker, and I think he's great. I think Odell is incredible. Nick Chubb's one of my favorite running backs in the league. But, like, I, I just, I, I'm with you. I need to see it to believe it. Or do you think people are in on the Steelers, or is it, or is it all Browns right now in Vegas? It, it's mainly Browns. I, I'm, I'm going to say 70, 30 Browns, and I am in agreement with you. I like the Steelers. I like the organization. I just like the way they do things. I think they have a lot to prove as well. When you have two superstars that leave your team, that you know, hey, we'll show you. We're a team. We're not. We're not individuals. And there's going to be guys stepping up. James Conner did a great job last year. He's 24 years old. Guys uh, can do a lot of different things for you. And I think that, uh, like I said, this team has a lot to prove. They're going to have to get a couple guys to step up. James Washington at wide receiver. I think you'll see him. Eli Rogers. Uh, Juju, we know, is going to have a great year and a tremendous year last year. So Vance McDonald, I think, is going to have a big year for Pittsburgh. But it's all about Big Ben as well. I think he may even have a better year this year than he had last year. No, I'm with you. I think uh, I like Big Ben at uh, 37 to one to uh, to actually win the MVP. I don't hate that as a value bet. What do you uh you got the you like the we saw what's that seven years what's that he's 37 years old. 37 to 1, 37 yeah. to 1. See, there's something bad. Come on. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I like it. That's good synergy right there. Uh, the, Jacoby Brissett led Indianapolis Colts move from plus three in Los Angeles against the Chargers in week one, the September Chargers, uh, to plus seven. Do you see any value in taking the Colts in week one? Yeah, I do. I, I, I look, it was more value for lucky quarterback getting against the Chargers. Uh, and I mentioned before, zero home field for the Chargers. There, there will be more Colts fans in the stadium than Charger fans. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Brissett. The one thing I think 
the Colts will do, they will rally around, not have Andrew Luck. I think everyone will step up and play a half a point better than what their rating is. It's going to make this team that much better for the first game. But then now it rises to 11 over, of course, you know, 16 games. They're going to tail off. But I really believe you'll see their best effort. They'll bring their A game in week one. Uh, and they'll, they'll be very competitive. They will be in the game right to the final whistle and have a shot to win this one straight up. Plus seven's a really good play. If you had the Chargers minus three before the luck news started to kind of pop up, it's an obvious window, right, to take the Colts plus seven. I Yes, most definitely. I mean, the one thing that I always say, though, you know, the people who do have that minus three, they, they are the only ones that have that ticket. You can't get that anymore. You can get the plus seven. So, you know, you don't want to take a big move on that. Um, I would say maybe 20% okay. to come back the other way. But again, you can't get plus three anymore. <laughs> you certainly, you're minus three. Yeah, you certainly can't. All right, let's get uh one more one more piece of action that I'm already in on. So I like seeing this. I actually got the uh seven and a half uh on on the Houston Texans. You like them visiting the Saints, even though it's Monday night and Drew Brees does uh, typically mean things to people who show up to his house on uh, on on Monday nights. Yeah, that's no doubt about that. But uh, Drew Brees isn't the guy, the same guy that we've seen over the years. He is he's losing that arm strength at 40 years old. You know, Tom Brady's got huge size and a big arm. Drew Brees is a little guy. I bet he, you know, they, they, they say he's 5'11". Some, some books say he's six foot. I bet he's, you know, 5'10 and a half. And, uh, he lost some arm strength. This is going to be a running football team. They continue to run the ball at a higher rate every year as Drew Brees loses arm strength. And as Alvin Kamara continues to get better, they got Latavius Murray now at the big back. I, I think you're going to see the Saints run the ball almost 55% of the time this year. They're going to shorten games, and they're going to play lower-scoring football games. Houston's got a great defense. Uh, their offense is you know, going to take some time. They'll be better than they were last year. They were horrendous last year, obviously. But they'll be better this year. Uh, and I think Deshaun Watson will have a good year. This will be a close football game. Uh, the Saints are always slow starters as well. Mm. You know, They're well coached. They start slow. September's not a great month for them. They get better as the year goes along. Yeah, Sean Payton is something like against the spread record in the first like four weeks of the season. The last like five years is insane. His his straight up record is insane, but like his against the spread record is just terrible because they're playing at home. They're overvalued. They don't win games. You uh, know, and you, you mentioned how good their home field is, though. The last five years, and Monday night you were mentioning, but the last five years they're seventeen and twenty four ATS at home. So they got a losing record. If you bet on them every game. Uh, you're down nine units over just 40 bets. Wow, that's crazy. All right, uh, Kenny, tell us, uh, where, tell everybody where they should go and get, uh, you're not, you have, you have multiple books hey, now, right? Nice now. What's that? No, multiple. Yeah, I'm trying to, I said, tell, you're, tell, tell people where to go. I said, be nice now. <laughs> no, no, no. I do. I'm, got, I'm trying to finish the NFL book up this week. It's been so busy and crazy with, uh, the, you know, the media request because of the college football guide, but, it's Kenny White's College Football Power Ratings. You can find it at KennyWhiteSports.com. I named it that so I can remember the name of it. So it's nice <laughs> and easy. KennyWhiteSports.com. If you buy the magazine today, uh, the hard copy, we'll, we'll get it in the mail for you this afternoon. Uh, or you can get the digital copy and you can check out the power ratings on all the college football teams. I predicted the final score in every college football game, over 1,560 games. You got a power rating on a more than – 3,000 college players, so if there's an injury, you know how much 
uh, that player is worth. It's an above average rating. So you compare it to the backup. That's how many points you take off the power rating. Mm, it is a invaluable resource for betting on college football. And then once the NFL book comes out, you can get it at KennyWhiteSports.com as well. Uh, no, I, hey, look. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll testify. I've gotten on a, I got on a heater with Kenny at the Super Bowl and, uh, it, it helped, it helped pay for the flowers I had to bring my wife when, uh, when I showed back up after a week on, uh, on, at, at quote unquote work, which she doesn't buy into. Kenny, uh, you're the man. Always fun to talk to you, buddy. Thank you, Will. My pleasure. Uh, we'll, t- we'll be talking soon. All right, buddy.